Good morning. How's everybody? Isn't it great to be here this morning? I mean, who's excited to be here this morning? Let's hear it from Pueblo to Los Animas. If you are excited to be here this morning, let's hear it from you. Whoa, yeah. Now we're talking. Okay, now we're outside. Things are falling all over the place. This is great. All right. Well, I'm glad you're here. I'll tell you what. This is a big day. Not just is it Easter, which of course makes it the biggest day, but a year ago, Sherry and I moved to La Junta. We moved to La Junta and we moved with a lot of expectations and trepidation in the middle of a pandemic. We came down here and we were not able to meet with each other on Easter. And that was not fun, believe me. But we will not be taken away from coming together today, will we? We are here to celebrate the blessed resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Can I hear it for the Lord? Yeah. All right. I'm glad you guys are in good voice because I'm going to tell you something. This message this morning, there is a lot of interaction in it. So I hope you're ready for that because I'm expecting to, to have a little interaction with you guys this morning. I am excited to be here. I want you to know this is my first time that I actually have given the Easter message. So maybe a little nervous. Things are falling all over. We'll just leave it there. <clears throat> but I want you to know that not only did we move here a year ago, but we celebrated our 33rd wedding anniversary here in La Junta last year. Last year today, actually. But that is not even the biggest. Because last year on our 33rd wedding anniversary, we attended the wedding of a special couple in our church. And today, they are celebrating their first anniversary. Let's hear it for Don and Grace Griggs, will ya? Yes, I tell ya, that is so awesome. I can't believe that my sweet, sweet lady has been with me for 34 years. Can you believe that? That she put up with me for that long? I know. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're cheering. I'm glad you're not booing on because that would be a lot worse. Believe me. But this is a great day. The sun is out, sort of. It's warm, and we are in the midst of the Lord, and we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a little bit, we are going to be celebrating new lives in Christ with baptism, and that is going to be an exciting day. How great is that to be here today after the year that we have been through? Praise be to the one who died and rose again, right? So we can have new life in him. Amen and amen to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. All glory and honor to you, O Lord. Our passage this morning is Romans 6, 5 through 11. You heard uh, Don read 6, 1 through 5. And the reason why I asked him to do that was because verses 1 through 4 really set up our passage that we have this morning. What we're going to be looking at, we're going to be looking at some important things here in this, in this passage. In our passage today, there are two enormously important points that I want us to see. The first one is, we will see how we as Christians are united with our Lord and Savior in his crucifixion and his resurrection. And number two, we're going to see that because of the cross and the resurrection, we are free from the bondage of our sins, and now we can live a life serving Jesus in complete opposition to our old sinful selves. We are no longer slaves to sin. 
We are no longer bondage to death. We are raised again in Christ Jesus. So when we are done this morning, our goal, my goal this morning, and I believe the Lord's goal, is that when we go home and celebrate with our family today, that we will walk out knowing that we are free, that we belong to the King of kings and Lord of lords, and that he died and he rose for you. And no one will walk out of here without Jesus Christ being their Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. Amen. Yes. You are free. Let us read Romans 6, 5 through 11 together as we get started this morning. Starting in verse 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, God, for your word, the power that Paul wrote in Romans, Lord, by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I pray, God, that as we give this message this morning, Lord, that it would be a glorifying time for you. That, Lord, that you, your name would be held up on high and we would know why you came and died for us. That the resurrection gives us new life, Lord, and that's a life that we can live with joy and happiness. That we can live it for you that one day that we will participate in your resurrection with you, Lord. We love you and thank you, Lord, and just praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, this is going to be a fun passage. I am so excited. Paul's given us a lot of good things to, to read about. And we are going to start in verse 5 because verse 5 really kicks off our first point where we are united with Jesus forever through his death and resurrection. Let's look at 5 again. It says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. When we look at this verse, and we look at it in conjunction with verses 3 and 4 that Don read earlier, in this passage we see that Jesus' death and his resurrection allows us as Christians to see that baptism brings us new life. The baptisms that we're going to celebrate in a little while, which is one of the reasons why I want us to read that passage, shows us that baptism in and of itself is a symbol of our death and resurrection with Christ. We died in our sins, and now we are raised again in new life in Christ. And that is what we are going to be celebrating here in about 30 minutes. I promise we'll be done with that in about 30 minutes. To be immersed with Jesus in his death, to be united with him in his death. So in verse 5, what Paul is telling us, he's telling us really what, what the crucifixion and the resurrection really mean. And why is it so important to us? And why do we make such a big deal out of Resurrection Sunday? Why is that a big deal for Christians to come together and be a part of it? Because it means that we, as Christians, we have been united in Jesus' death. Once and for all. 
and for all eternity. And the verb tense here is so important because this is what they call the perfect tense, meaning that Jesus' death was a one-time event with ongoing consequences or actions. That we have been united with Jesus in a death like his, like his crucifixion once and for always. Our union with him in his death is eternal. There is no end. We had a beginning in new life, and now we are united with him in death. United with him means that we are grafted together, grown into one with him in a death like his. We are eternally planted together with a bond or a graft that can never broken, be broken. Like Don preached last week on abiding in Jesus, and Jesus said that he is the true vine. And if we are grafted to the vine, and we have new life, and we will never die. But when we fall away, then we find death. That's what Paul is talking about. This bond or graft that we have with him, we're able to be united with him so that we can be a part of our future resurrection with him and be with him in heaven for eternity. Well, you might be asking the, the, the question that I did when reading this is that how can I, since I am still alive, share in that same death and that same crucifixion that Jesus did? Well, let me just tell you, you really, you're not. You're not in reality in person, dying. But you are sharing a likeness with Christ's death. Because as we all know, logically, you must be dead first before you can be raised again, right? So we are sharing in Christ's suffering in order that we may gain the ability to share in his resurrection. Paul tells us in Philippians 3, 8 through 11, that he considers everything he has and everything that he has done in the past to be a loss because of the immense worth of knowing Christ Jesus. Paul says that he endured all of the suffering that he went through and counts that suffering as garbage, as rubbish, in order that he may gain Christ and in true righteousness that can only be found in Jesus Christ. And then he says this in Philippians 3, 10 and 11, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul knew that in order for him to attain the redeeming power of Christ's resurrection, he was going to need to become like Jesus in his death. And that is what Paul is telling us here in Romans 6, 5. In fact, Paul is telling us that with all certainty, if we are in Christ, meaning that if we have given up our lives, if we have died to ourselves and put our full faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior, then without a, with all certainty, without a shadow of a doubt, with the same certainty that the sun will go down and rise up again tomorrow, we will be united with him in his resurrection. And what a great day that is going to be. Amen, right? This is where the interaction part comes in. Amen. But it still begs the question, what dies? What changes? What are the benefits of Jesus' death? And are you uniting with him in his death? And when we move to verses 6 and 7, we actually get the answer. 
we get the second point, that Jesus' death kills our old life and brings us freedom from sin. Verses 6 and 7 say this, We know, remember that, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Verse 6 is the key to really understanding this passage. And if we get this, the rest of this passage just opens up to us like a book. It makes sense. But this first piece is kind of tough. It's a little hard to figure out. When we look at in this first part, what is this old man, this old self? That's what we need to grapple with. We need to understand who that person is. And to make that as simple and comprehensive as possible, what Paul means is that our old sinful person that we were before we became Christians was crucified with Jesus on the cross. Our old Adam, if you will, was nailed to the cross. Nailed to the cross with Jesus. Forever dead. Gone. And we need to travel back to Genesis just for a second and remember that we were made in the image of God. Out of his love we were created, male and female, we were created in his image. But it was Adam who, who disobeyed the Lord and brought sin into the world. And because of that we became stained and depraved in our bodies by sin. Sin became our master and we were ruled by it. We were slaves to it. But then came Jesus. And Jesus killed our depraved self on the cross. And that is what the cross is for. To take our past, our old self that has been stained and depraved and crucified it with him forever dead. Hallelujah. I understand that you might be still scratching your heads over that. How can that possibly be? I never physically died. How can my old self be dead? Remember when Jesus talked to Nicodemus in John chapter 3? He told Nicodemus that for a person to gain the kingdom of God, they must be born again. They must be born of the Spirit. And that is what Paul is telling us here in verse 6, that your old Adam, your old self has been put to death, and you have been reborn in the resurrection of Jesus. And because of this, sin is no longer your master. You are no longer a slave to sin. That part of you is gone. We talk about our need to put sin to death and become a master over it. But it is true, and that is true. But here Paul is telling us that our sinful self has already been put to death. And we are free from its power. But this does not mean we will not sin. We will, but it won't be because of sin's mastery over us. But when we sin now, we sin because we choose to sin. It is our defiance of our Savior and against his work on the cross when we choose to sin. And when we put it that way, it makes it sound like that our sin after we become a Christian is worse than it was before. And it is. Because we choose to sin by our own choice against our risen Savior. But there is good news. So when we finish reading verses 6 and 7, together we look at them and they say, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin for one who has died has been set free from sin. The power of the cross is we are free from sin's bondage 
Our past is past, and we have been justified by Christ and removed from the stain of our past lives. And we can know this confidently, with certainty, that this is true. Paul says in Galatians 2.20 that I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. We are justified by Christ and what he did on the cross and not by ourselves. It was his death and resurrection that sets us free. And it is no longer ourselves who live, but Christ who lives in us. And because of that, we live by faith. We live in the power of Jesus' death and resurrection while we're still here on earth. And this is done by the love that God has for us. His children that were made in his image are reborn into the image of Christ. Justified by Christ's resurrection. And as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. We sin because we choose. But as we grow more and more into the image of our Savior, maturing in our sanctification, we should sin less and less because sin has no power over us. Christ has provided the victory over our past. There is nothing that you bring here today that Jesus did not nail to the cross. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your background is. Jesus Christ's crucifixion and his resurrection is that powerful. He killed it. It's on the cross. It will never be brought up again. Robert Mounts, the great scholar, says this. The very idea of responding positively to sin's invitation should strike the believer as morbid. For the Christian to choose to sin is the spiritual equivalent of digging up a corpse for fellowship. A genuine death to sin means that the entire perspective of the believer has been radically altered. You have been raised with Christ. You belong to him. Sin has no power over you. We need to get that. We need to get that. And as we go back to verse 7 again, we see that we are free. That if we have surrendered our life to Jesus and accepted the new gift of a life free from our past, knowing in your hearts and minds that Jesus has put those sins to death, there is nothing, again, nothing you could have done. And I ask you, if you are here this morning, that if you have not surrendered yourselves to him, come to Jesus and let him give you new life. Become reborn into the new life that only Christ can give. We are here to help you if you don't know what to do. But we don't want you to leave here today without knowing that Jesus Christ is your Savior. And if you're one maybe who has wandered away from Jesus, come back. Come back. The power of God the power of Jesus' death and resurrection is that he will accept you back. He will take you back. You belong to him. Well, we've talked a lot about Jesus' death. But this day is about his resurrection. And we move to the, the last few verses, verses 8 through 11. Paul tells us the joy and hope of Christ's resurrection. Let's read them together. 
starting in verse 8. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you, must also, you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Paul tells us here that, that we have died with Jesus, as we have been talking about. And that we will live with him in his resurrection. He reiterates what he says in verse 5. Again, that we have been united, bonded with Jesus. When we think of this, think of it like in Scripture when it talks about when a man and a woman come together and become married. They become one flesh. And that's what it's like with us, with Jesus. We come together, grafted, united as one. Because we, the church collectively, and us individually, are his bride. We belong to him. And we are united with him as much as I am with my wife of 34 years. Even more so, to be honest with you. Because this bond cannot be broken. We go from death to eternal life. We belong to him. And if he is alive, which we know Jesus is alive, or why would we be here in the first place, right? Yes. Then we must also be alive with him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Verse 9 tells us that Jesus will never have to die again. That it was once and for all. His death was one time only. It was finished on the cross. And remember that Jesus not only rose again, but 40 days later, he ascended into heaven and he sat down at the right hand of the Father because his work on earth was finished. Our death was paid in full. Telestia. Paid. In, is that right? No. What is it? Tetelestai. Yeah, I've learned one thing. If you're going to say a Greek word, you should at least know how to say it before you say it publicly. Especially in the Easter sermon, but hey, we're all here to have fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> Nonetheless, our debt was paid in full. <laughs> now we await his glorious return to gather his people together to be with him in heaven for eternity. And verse 10 tells us that Jesus' life, the life he lives right now, he lives to the glory of his Father. Now I'm going to teach you something, and I tried to say this earlier, and I think we might have been a little distracted. But when I say he has risen, your response is to say he has risen indeed. All right? So he is risen. He is risen indeed. Oh, Amen. But we're not quite done yet. Almost, though. Paul has one more exhortation for us in verse 11. He tells us that we need to begin to live for Jesus right now. To not wait until we get to heaven. Verse 11 says that we must consider ourselves dead to sin and alive in Christ Jesus and live for him right now. Now let me say this like Don says it, okay? Only just a little bit louder maybe even. I know. We must consider ourselves dead to sin and alive in Christ Jesus and live for him right now. Amen. Yeah. There you go. I knew I could do it. And you, are you ready, brothers and sisters? Yes. 
to follow Paul's commands right now? Yes. Yeah. Consider your answer, though, before you give it. Because there are a lot of implications about how you respond, whether you say yes, you are ready, or whether you say no, you are not. For those of us who say yes, there is a ton of work to do. There is a ton of work to do in your prayer closet. There is a ton of work to do in your church. Children's ministry, youth ministry, missions work, which begins in your homes. It begins in your neighborhoods, and your workplaces. There is a ton of work to do. We are not finished here by any means. And this work requires a person who lifts their head up in victory in Jesus. If we are to reach those around us, we need to have faces that shine the light of Christ and not those faces of darkness of sin and death. Because you are alive. You are no longer dead. Live like, it said, like Paul says. Today, I want to conclude by asking a question. Are you dead or are you alive? Do you live victoriously as a person given a new hope and a new life? Or are you stuck in the depths of your sinful past life? Jesus died and rose again. So all of us here and those in earshot of my voice would not live as though you are dead. Jesus rose again so that you can live in victory over sin and death, that you may know by surrendering yourself to him, living your life for him, and accepting the free gift of his magnificent grace, and receive forgiveness for all of your past sins, all of your past lies, all of your addictions, all of your abusiveness, your hatred, and your pride, all of your anger against God for your lot in life, Turn your face to him in repentance. Ask him with humility to cause you to be reborn into a new life. Free from the chains of whatever it is that you brought with you today. And if that is you this morning, and you want to make that change for eternity, let's talk right now. Let's not wait. Right now, right here today, we can talk to you about how to change your life and give your life to Christ and you can be baptized here this morning. We're all set for you. We are ready for you. Come to know Jesus. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I beg you, come. Come now. Do not let your pride keep you in your seat. If Jesus is tugging on your heart, and God called you here, and you do not know him as your Lord and Savior, come. Come now. Pastor Matt will come forward with me. Don will come forward with me. We will pray with you. You will have new life in Christ, and you will be baptized this morning. I praise you, and I thank you, and I praise our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Come. We are waiting. Jesus is waiting for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just... Lord, thank you. I don't know what else to say except thank you. You have given your life for us, Lord. And not only did you give your life for us, but you were raised again, Lord, in victory over death. 
And now you sit at the Father, intercessing for us, Lord, talking to the Father about us. You are here right now, Lord, talking to the Father about us right now. Father, I pray that if there is someone here this morning who does not know you yet, who came here wondering, but wanting hope, wanting change, but not knowing where to look, I pray, God, that they would find it here in you, that that person would come forward, Lord, and we would be able to share the new life of the resurrection of Jesus Christ in their life, Lord, and that they would give their life to you this morning, and they would be baptized into new life. Father, thank you again. Jesus, thank you for your obedience. Thank you for the power of your resurrection. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.